All right, guys, welcome to For the Kudos Q&A Sessions. This is the first Q&A session of season four and a bit of a change up uh, this season. Um, we've the Usually, we've had the Q&A questions coming in via Instagram messages, but we wanted to go a little bit deeper this time. Um, so Brett and I sort of decided we'll pick out a bunch of uh, elite athlete guests and experts throughout the season um, and sort of come up with a bit more longer form questions so we can go a little bit deeper because... You know, we have some pretty special guests on the show and it can get, uh, it's a bit of a waste when it's like, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Stuff like that. So without uh, babbling on too much longer, I'm joined by professional middle distance runner and very good friend, Ryan Gregson. How are you, Ryan? Good, Joel. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries at all. You're a uh, big FTK fan, aren't you? Massive, yes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) go on. Have you ever listened to one episode? Uh, to be honest, I haven't. No, <laughs> I love that. That's why when when uh, Brett and I was sort of working out this new format, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be going deep with somebody, I want to be speaking to a mate, and I know that you're a good mate, and I also know that you have not listened to any of the episodes, so this would be perfect. How did you know? How did I just you know? know. I know you, Ryan. I know you too well. I just feel like I've lived lived running my whole life, and now I'm coaching as well. Like my job is running as well. If I, you know, have the time to listen to a podcast, like if I'm doing some cross training or something, I just want to listen to something about cricket or footy or something like that. So that's the only reason. It's nothing against you guys. And um, I think you guys are doing a pretty good job. Well, I'm insulted anyway. Um, From what I see on Instagram, I I follow you on Instagram. So what (laughs) what I see on that, you guys are doing a pretty good job. Maybe we'll Grattan House will branch branch out into cricket podcasts, so we just so we can get you on board. Um, as long as you're not hosting the show. For that. <laughs> How's being a dad? It's good, mate. Um, I. How old's Archer? Is he like 15 yet? He's eight months today. today. Eight months today. No, it's fantastic. You know, I always wanted to be a dad. Eight months today. Eight months today. Yeah, he's born. June fifteenth. Happy birthday, Archer. He's looking, but he can't. He can't hear because I've got the earphones. But he's looking over me. But yeah, it's been fantastic. I'm very lucky that I have Genevieve, who's a who's an amazing mum. She makes my job very easy. Yeah, it's um, my roles are very limited, but those limited roles I think I do very well. But um, as far as fathers go, I got a pretty good gig. <laughs> I always reckon you well, you were the, you were the dad of MTC, so transitioning that uh, those skills into into Archer, I'm sure that's I'm sure it's going fine. Well, I reckon I was at a weird stage with like when you came into MTC, like I was only maybe 26 at mm. the time when you started, Joel. But Isn't that weird? Because that's I'm older than that now. Exactly, but I was one of the the oldest guy or one of the oldest guys who was still, um, you know, traveling around. And now, what's Brett like? Thirty-one, and people still think he's young. A kid. (laughs) I think it's also to do with personality, Um, right? One personality, two, two personality. (laughs) It's it's um it's definitely one of those things. I think where you were on the professional. We'll go into this a little bit later, but you were on the professional circuit at such a young age and spent so many years. So even though you were twenty-six, you know. 
you're actually like 50 in running years. It's like a dog. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I started, it's not just like, I didn't even start the elite side early. Like I, I did little A's, little athletics from the age of four as well. So like I've been running a long time. You were the age of four, little A's? Yeah, I did tiny tots at little athletics. Oh, so see, that that's was, bullshit. It was, it was under five, so I was four. Because I tell everyone, I, that's my bragging thing is people say, when were you running? I said five because I, I started at under six. But in, in Melbourne, we didn't have tiny tots or whatever the hell that, yeah. that is. There you go. Um, so a little bit of background for the listeners. I'm sure most will know. But yeah, as I said, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of sort of new listeners that come on and maybe some aren't, you know, crazy running fans. But your PBs, 146 for 800 and 331.06 for 1500. Um 742 for 3000 and you've run 352 for a mile. Um, you've always sort of mentioned that mile one is is a frustrating one for you, right? Because, you know, 331-1500, you should be able to go a lot quicker for th- than 352 for the mile. Yeah, well, I've ran like 331, 332, 333. So I've had some like fast 1500s and... Three three fifty two for a mile only equates to about a three thirty five, and for fifteen hundred, and I've probably ran twenty fifteen hundreds, um, yeah, at about that three fifty two equivalent mile levels. It's just I I probably never really got into a race where it was one in you know three forty eight three forty seven, and I could hang on and and run three forty nine. I was probably certainly capable, but um, the, the three times I ran 3.52, I think the races were run, won around that anyway. So it was more that yeah, they were slower races. I just didn't have the opportunity. But thankfully, I had the opportunity to, to get a good couple of 1500s out. More than, more than a good couple, I think. You've also run, I should say, 13.25 for 5,000. I think that's one and that was in 2020. It's pretty recent. Shows that yeah. you're like still, you know, to run to run your best 5K, not that you would probably do many 5Ks, but, you know, 13.25, there's not, it's not like a, there's that many uh, Aussies that have run faster than that. We obviously didn't think it was too good because it didn't even make the cut when you introduced me. So, <laughs> don't you dare be putting a straight fo- straight face on and make me think like I've I've offended you. Um, let's get straight into some things. I've got yeah, I've got got a bunch of questions for you, Ryan Gregson. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we talked about you. You ran three thirty one at twenty, right? That was your PB mm-hmm. in yeah. Monaco. You're 20 years old. That's in 2010, yeah? Yeah. Obviously, being 20 years old, running that time, you made you one of the best in the world at that at that age. Um, sorry, you were you were 20, but you were one of the best in the world for, for, out of everyone. Um, yeah. Then you sort of struck, got struck down with with quite a lot of injuries for, for a fairly long period of time. People have sort of wrote you off and stuff. Um, and then you came back. Obviously, there were there were glimpses of, of good performances in there and stuff, but it wasn't like you had you had like a good another few years of running until 2016, um, when you were back right at the top of international level. You ran 3:32 at Monaco Diamond League and ended up with ninth at the Rio Olympics. Um, and I know for a fact that that ninth at the Olympics, you're still to this day, you know, disappointed. And I think most people uh, most people look at ninth at the Olympics and go, oh, fuck, that's amazing. But, you know, everyone around you knew you could have done better, but it was just the way the race worked out in that year. But what I want to know mm-hmm. is like how did you keep motivation through those down years between 2010 and 2016? 
I think the motivation came from the fact that I had done it before. I, I think it would have been really tough for some, say I hadn't ran 331 or had a, that successful 2010, 2010 season and then I just had had have had those five years of injuries, that would have been really tough to stay motivated because I, I would never have had a taste yeah. of what it was like at the top. And that was, I think, the, the biggest reason why it was I see it as, as easy for me to come back, even though it took so long, was that I knew how good it was. I knew how good the feeling was. Um, I knew how, how happy it made me. And I knew what I was capable of. So I knew if, knew if I just stuck at it, I'd be able to have that feeling again and, and you know, it did take a long time, but I eventually got there. Yeah, it's definitely something we spoke about. You wouldn't obviously listen to this because you hate our podcast, <laughs> but um, we spoke with Matt Sensiewicz, who actually won that Rio um, yeah. Olympic final uh, in that famously slow race. And one thing he sort of mentioned, we, we in, brought, got brought up in conversation, was that you know when you are in your peak, right, as a runner, things just things are easy and there's just no better feeling on earth. You go on a training, you're smashing sessions, you go on a races, you're winning, you're smashing stuff. So that I guess that really does make sense. In 2010, that's what you were like. You got that taste. Um, so then, you, yeah, as you said, you, you, you're sort of spending years trying to get that back, whereas it's going to be way harder for that struggling athlete to go through years and years and years of injury with never having run 3.30. For sure. One. Well, it's like a drug, isn't it? You know, you just you get addicted to that to that feeling, and you you understand what it's like. You've had some success, but then you've had a lot of heartbreak and injury as well. But you you kind of cling on to the fact that you have done it before, and it's um it's certainly a wouldn't motivator. say certainly wouldn't draw a comparison to my success to running three thirty one at uh, at twenty. But no, thank you. Oh no, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I meant success in the podcast. <laughs> um, so I'm um, sorry, but to touch on to touch yeah. on. Like you say, how how easy and how things are great in the, you know, when you are having a purple patch. Um, contrary to that, that's what's so tough in times where everything's going going bad is once you get one injury, it's so easy to get injured again. And that's why I had this four and a half, five years of just constant snow, snowball effect of, of injuries because I was – I'd get an injury in, say – let's say October, yeah. I'd be injured for a few months. So I'd get back running February, run for three months, get strong, qualify for the championship in, say, May because I obviously had natural talent, so I was able to run at least like a 3.36 by May, qualify, and I'd be broken down by July again for the championship. So the championship's always poor because I was like building a house with, you know, no foundation. And then it was just that that cycle again and what I wish I had done in, in one of those years was just say, like, even if you can qualify for the, for the championship the next year, just don't, just don't do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's hindsight, but it's hard to refuse a championship when you have the ability to, to make it, but that's what I should have done in hindsight and just taken extra time. Even though I was never really rushing the build backs, I think when there's, when there's so many build backs on top of each other, you, you're never really laying that foundation and, I finally broke the cycle at the end of 2014 when like it was starting to get a bit silly how 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 many injuries I had and I just I know this sounds so so such a stupid thing to say but I just promised myself you're not going to get hurt again because if you get hurt again that's it like it's been four and a half years now since you've really struck a a proper blow 
and I just thought to myself that it's do or die now. So I just guess I took extra precaution and 2015 I was able to run through that whole year without without being hurt at all and that's what set me up for a, a, a breakthrough year again in 2016. But it was it was hard to break that cycle because I wasn't it wasn't like I was doing the same injury yeah, it's over and over. Stuff. Um, so people are always like, why if your foot was sore, why don't you just stop? Like I had a navicular stress fracture and it, it was fine one day, a bit sore the next, and the next day it was a stress fracture and I'm, I'm not running for six months. Like it's not as always mm. as easy as that and I'm not doing the same injury twice. So it's hard to – like I, I was learning from my mistakes. It's just that when you're so patchy with the training – Everywhere it gets weak. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's definitely something, you know, I've struggled with myself is that, and it's what people don't understand is most of all those kind of people like Stewie, right? We always talk about Stewie. He's the perfect example of just laying down years and years of base. Yeah. And that's why he's one of the fastest guys in the world now, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's, it can be really hard when, you know, you're injured, you come back because the body, you know, a running body wants to run, you know, and, want, and he's yeah. become stronger from running. So, yeah, there's definitely something in that where you have six months of interrupted training, then you get back fit again, and then boom, something else breaks. On that, um, on the topic of injuries and stuff, before we move on, I should have I should have asked, um, what's actually going on at the moment? Like, where are you fit? Because you're not on. You're like me. You're not on Strava, and you haven't been racing that much, but. You know, I I know all well, all too well that you know when people when you're not like racing, people are always like, "Oh, are you injured again?" But you know, I know you've been training, and I know you've been putting some good some good bloody workouts in. Um, no, I'm, I'm getting there. I to you know fill everyone in. Pretty much a year or well, just over a year ago, so it was January 2022. I got COVID, like everyone else in Australia did in January 2022. But after getting that, within a couple of days, I started to get a bit of a sore foot and some some swelling in my foot. And I didn't really know what was going on. I thought maybe I'd, I'd rolled my ankle. But then the swelling just kind of got more and more and started to get get out of control and and it got to a point where I wasn't able to to run because it was it was that painful. I saw, you know, plenty of doctors to try to figure out what what was going on. And in the end, for some reason, you know, we don't know how COVID works, but I just had a had a reaction, a bad a bad reaction and then end up having like this inflammatory response where my my body just started essentially attacking itself and it, like by just creating swelling and it just didn't know what it was doing. My foot was just getting fatter and fatter, so some of my toes and my ankle and so I had to. I remember you sending me a photo at one point. And I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. You drop an anvil on it. It was really, it was really painful, and I just like I, it was inside my left ankle, so I couldn't get around a track. Uh, and it was, yeah, some of the running was just so so bad. I don't even know if it was because I was I was running weird because of how fat my foot was, or just the pain I was in. So after like getting a diagnosis and working out what it probably was, I was able to see a good good sports doctor and get onto some like immunosuppressants that would just kind of like shut down my immune system from working, working that hard. And it was able to, to reverse uh, the inflammation and it's a slow process. Like I had to have, I had four months off of no running just because it was, I, I needed to give my, my foot and ankle a chance to get rid of all that swelling. 
Were you cross training in that time? In the oh months? yeah, I didn't like I didn't have a day off. But I was gonna say, I know you guys. I always say on the podcast. I reckon I mentioned you wouldn't know. Obviously, you don't listen, but I mention it all the time. <laughs> the two people that cross train the hardest are you and Jen, of anyone I've ever met. And the thing is, with cross training, I feel like every time we get injured, it goes up a level as well. <laughs> That's <laughs> why you guys <laughs> like work harder the last time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I did. I had four months of just just cross training. And while, while taking these immunosuppressant drugs, which, you know, took a while to kick in, but they were kicking in and then four months building back. So I probably got back to a decent level by, say, November. Uh, maybe I was back up to, say, 120 kilometres a week by then. And I have can say like a, a year on now, I've, I've even though that's a, that's a very long time, I've in a position now where, you know, it's it's almost back to to where it was. So it's unfortunate. Like we we know what happened about a year ago with Stewie had all these issues with with his heart. It was was it pericarditis or something with, with COVID yeah. as well. So it is a I hate it when people say that COVID is a it's just the flu because yeah. it's 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 not. It does act different. And for me it acted very strange and my body just didn't know what it was doing and started attacking itself. But um, I can say I'm, you know, pretty well over it now running, right. you know, I run about 130K a week and I do about another three hours um, on the bike. So volume-wise, it's plenty as much as I've ever done like total. I was going to say 130, 130K for you, that's big because you don't, you know, ran not more big, in the past, but I mean. I've ran more in the past, yeah, but definitely. it's more the extra bike. Like I do hop on the bike another three times a week for an hour each time. And so it brings my whole volume pretty high as much as I've ever done and, I love the cross training as well, and yeah, I'm in a I'm in a pretty good place. I was I was planning to do the cross trial in January, but because of this ankle, um, which you know was sore for so long, it, it did make other areas weak, and it ended up tearing my uh, calf on the on the other side just because I wasn't able to do any much calf calf raises because yeah. and all that strength because it just hurt so i just kind of it was pretty much a, a year where I, I didn't really do any you know calf strength just because it was too painful so because of that you, you do get weak so it made sense when i tore my calf but um after slowly building back from that um i'm in a pretty good place now great do we know when we'll see you out in the Race track or yeah, road I'm or doing what's... a I'm, I'm doing a 1500 next week at the Mori Mori Plant Meet. Oh, awesome! Well, mile, mile, sorry. Yeah, mile at the Mori Plant Meet. I certainly wouldn't miss that meet. Um, no, Mori Plant Meet. Mori, Mori is a right? yeah. He was a he was a massive. He's a great friend of mine and was played a massive role. Um, in, in my career, you know the amount of opportunities he gave me. Whether it be in Oslo or, or Brussels, um, he gave me a lot of opportunities, and um, you know, alongside Nick, Nick Bedo, who's pretty much like another manager of our group, and um, but not just that. That was just like that's the business side. He he was a friend, you know, you know, from let's say the last few years before he he died, we spoke nearly in some form or another nearly every day, whether it be wow. just a a meme a meme or a joke and things like that you know we're very close so um yeah i'd love to obviously i probably wish i was in a bit better shape and the meet was a couple of meets a couple of months away but um i just think being part of there uh would be be pretty special yeah definitely brett 
Brett was saying that because he got offered to do the the um, 3K and then he's like, you know what? There's so many good good guys coming to race this. He, he's, you know, focusing on on marathon and stuff. He's like, I just want to be in the stands <laughs> watching. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I'll be I'll be there cheering for sure. Um, yeah. Ryan, obviously, you know, I joined the group in end of 2017 um, and that's when you and Jen were living in Melbourne Um you're training in Melbourne three times a week, you know, Tuesdays, whether it was at winter, um, you'd be at the Tan or Waverley uh, in Melbourne, Thursdays, Threshold at Caulfield and then Saturdays at Waddle Park. You know, that was that was your ritual for, for so many years. Um, now you and Jen, you know, you've, you both re- relocated um, up to Queensland. How did you find training like now? It looks like you do have a couple of guys to train with and stuff but obviously it's quite different to when you were with that big MTC group every week in Melbourne. Yeah, so we first got a taste of it in 2020 when the COVID year, when March 2020, when Nationals got called off or postponed, Olympics got postponed, we thought, and they were closing borders, um, we thought it was a good opportunity to, to get out of Melbourne and spend some time with family. So, yeah, for sure. We actually went north and for four months we trained in the Gold Coast and Brisbane in that year and I did a lot of work with Jack Bruce. Yep, Brucey just boy. Pretty much just me and, yeah, Brucey boy. It was just me and him and we just um, – sorry, that's Archer in the background. Um, <laughs> we just worked Hurry really up, well Dad. together. <laughs> um, we worked re- really well together. Like he was in, in some of the longer reps, he was a bit better than me, shorter reps – I was a bit better than him. So it worked really well. And we just got a bit more of the feel for the running around Brisbane and the Gold Coast and really, really liked it. Obviously, that was winter, so it was a lot easier um, with the weather. But then when um, Genevieve got pregnant at the end, at, after the Olympics in 2021, we just knew that there was things are going to have to change if we both wanted to still run. It would be easy if I was just a stay-at-home dad or had a normal job and could look look after Archer in the mornings when she went, went out and trained, but I wanted to run as well and we weren't able to do that in Melbourne. One of us would have would have had to stop um, unless we were going to bring Archer to training and, and Nick Badeau would, <laughs> would look after him for a couple of hours. Um, not, not saying Nick wouldn't do that, but, um, you know, that's, it's quite, that's a bit unfair. Quite a funny thought. Um, <laughs> well, you could have so, you could have got your, your parents – you could have got your parents to move down to Melbourne. Jeez. Yeah, that's hard. Like we just thought um, we I'm need to be kidding, somewhere yeah. where we can have um, have support, and that was either Sydney with, with my family or in Queensland with Jen's family. And at the end of the day, I think a girl should be when she's raising a child, be with her um, family network. And and we had a good taste of the running in 2020 during that COVID year. And I have a had a great group up here with Jack Bruce, Jude Thomas, Callum Davies. So it was a no brainer in the end. It's um, the the training week, it's obviously the, the volume of people is not the same as rocking up the Waverley on a Tuesday, but... Same um, work's getting done. Same work. You're doing probably, the same you know, sessions. Similar sessions. Yeah. Same sessions and it, it, it works. It, it does. Jude it it and, works really well. Um, Jude, I love it. Jude, uh, you mentioned Jude and, and Callum there. Those boys are, f- are flying at the moment. They're um, a, long, a long way ahead of me at, at Waverley. So, yeah. 
it's you've got good. No, good they're doing well. It is the only chat. Yeah, it, it it is great, and the only challenge is you know in the summer months it is it is hot. Yeah, but we warm up at six a.m. So that's disgusting. That's, um, that's hard. That was hard to adjust to. But you know, once you you just got to get on a new time zone. So I used to well, tell be me a bit of a night owl when I for that four thirty. Oh god, four thirty. But um, I do most like when I say my roles with Archer are, are limited. The main role I do is is morning. So it's like gentle because she's still breastfeeding. So there's not much role I can play throughout the night. I don't have breasts. So I, I get the nights off. But if she taps me in the morning at five thirty, uh, Archer's awake. I'll go get him. So. But surely at that hour, in at that time of morning, you know, two like one hour counts for two normal hours, right? So if you get like three hours of work done that <laughs> at Sparrows, then that counts for six hours during the day. Surely, yeah, <laughs> have sure. you worked that out? <laughs> no, I haven't worked that out. I don't think that's there's any truth in that. No, no, there's zero truth in that. So my like, I try to be lights out by say nine thirty. Um, so that's all changed. That is a new uh, Ryan Gregson, not not, yeah. not me and you sending each other weird Reddit links at eleven o'clock at Falls Creek and stuff. Ex- like exactly like tonight, um, Genevieve and I are going out for a Valentine's Day dinner. Yeah, and our reservations at five five p.m. Oh no, that's <laughs> yeah, that dinner. is the stuff of nightmares. And that would be a bit late. That would be a bit late because like <laughs> Archie would be like he'll be need to be asleep by like six thirty. And then it's like it's just starting to creep, creep into sleeping hours. So um, it's it's obviously um, changed, but you just got to get on a different. You just got to get on a different time zone. And uh, oh, sure. winter's fine though. Winter's great because it's like twenty degrees every day, twenty two degrees. It's perfect for running. But just those summer months, you just got to make an adjustment, and then it's 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 fine. Like it, the weather's really nice early in the morning here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You just have to make yeah make the adjustment. I suppose being a dad. Is first priority, right? Sleeping in comes yep. second. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you're racing the mile at the Mori Plant meet next week. Um, there's been a lot of talk that you are moving to the longer distances. Can you elaborate on that? I, uh, you know, at some stage, yeah, for sure. Before I'm done with running, which I hope is a, a long way away, I want to experience everything that the sports got to offer um you know when it was about a, a year ago and i had this first had this ankle issue when i was struggling to get around a track like i essentially couldn't turn left i thought well what event do you not turn left and that's <laughs> that's that's <laughs> road racing um so i was yeah but it's not left like every hundred meters <laughs> no it's not um and uh, I just figured that you know it might have to be, it might have to be uh, stuff on the road, and because um, I was doing all my training once I got back after this ankle issue, I was doing all my training just on a, tra- a straight trail, and it was my my ankle was holding together really well. So it just made me think, you know, maybe maybe I have to, uh, and yeah, my head's still still there. I'd love to do it, but before I do anything, I just need to need to be a competitive runner again you know I, even if i run good at five ten half marathon marathon at the end of the day my, my strength is what i was able to do at 1500 um i know i can't just turn into a 
350, 1500 runner and expect to be good at longer stuff. I need to be good at everything. That's the way I see it because I can't forget um, what my strength is. So my first priority is be competitive again. And over over the 15, yeah, I don't I don't care what distance it is, to be honest. It's just I've been that that, that long out of the game with, with this issue and I pretty much lost last year. Uh, I just need to get back and, and be competitive and I think things will will decide themselves. But eventually one day uh, when I'm I consider myself in good shape again, I would for sure love to love to run a marathon. I think that's a wise idea as opposed to, you know, the contrary is, is oh, I'm not fast enough in the 1500 anymore. I'm going to move up and stuff, you know. Um, in saying that though, you are, you've always been incredibly fit and strong, right? Back when I was like training with you, Back in like you know 2017, we'd be like smacking long runs, hilly you know hilly long runs together. Where a lot of 1500 guys would be, would be struggling to do that sort of stuff. So I do definitely think you've got a future in that longer road stuff. But yeah, obviously, as you said, you want to be 1500 your pet event. So yeah, for sure. And as I've gotten older, I've enjoyed doing that longer work as well. Like I've enjoyed the you know hard two hour long runs. I've enjoyed long thresholds, and I find that stuff with my body over the last few years has felt um, easier than it did when I was younger as well. So I think that's, you know, just a natural progression. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talking about natural progressions, um, obviously you started Gregson running. Was it last year you launched that or the year before? October 2021 we launched Gregson running. Yeah. When in your running career did you feel like you wanted to coach? Like was it something that was always there that, you know, because I – like when I was in, in 2017 and, you know, starting out with MTC, you um, – I definitely looked up to you as like a mentor and, you know, I'd come to you for advice and stuff like that with certain things and I was never racing at the level that, you know, you had but you still gave me the time and, and I suppose that sort of, you know, sparked – like a, a strong friendship between us. So you always definitely had those had those um, values. Would you say that then, you know, you wanted to, um, you always wanted to coach or was it just something that happened later in your career? No, Genevieve and I always, always wanted to do it. We always wanted to coach and have Gregson running. We even thought the name was obvious you know well the name of what we'd call our coaching company like well well in advance uh i was always you probably with if you're trying to run professionally you probably can't do too many things and my secondary thing was always for a lot of my career was doing uni which is very slow i think i took 13 years or 12 years to complete a basic uh marketing degree which should have been three years. That took, yeah, <laughs> took, took a lot 12 of athletes years. So, that, though. yeah. So that was always like my secondary thing. If I had just spare time, I'd do that. Uh, when COVID happened in 2020, I thought, you know, we won't be traveling as much this year. I'll have more time in my hands. I will do more subjects, get the uni out of the way. And I did that. So I was fully done university by the end of, uh, so. November 2020 and then Jen and I had a chat and just thought you know now's probably a really good time so we'd, we'd launch at the end of the next uh, track season so we wanted to launch it after the 2021 Olympics and it just took 10 months to kind of develop his business plan and and work out exactly what we wanted to do get get everything set up and then we yeah we launched um, October 2021 and 
now we're yeah, over a year in, 18 months in, and it's it's been a great decision. Do you think that, you know, you mentioned you only really had time when you were studying, you know, you're doing one subject at a time and stuff now. Are you uh, obviously dedicating more time to the running than you were, sorry, to the, the coaching than you were uni? Coaching. At the time? Yeah. How do you find the you know, your time management between training and obviously you do a shitload of cross training as well. How do, how do you manage that with the coaching now? How do I manage it? Uh, it's just it's a, it's a job, you know. It's just uh, it's it's a job that enables me to to be able to continue my my running career. So it's a it's an it's an advantage really. It's it's only going to give me me longevity. So that's the way I see it. And it's a it's a business that comes easy in the sense that I've experienced so many things in the sport, a lot, a lot of setbacks. And that probably, I think that actually helps as a coach because Definitely. I feel like nothing really, nothing really came easy. So anything that the athletes that we have experienced, you know, Jen, and I, Jen and I have certainly most likely been through it. So as far as like, you know, it might be, it might be a lot of hours in the week where we're coaching, but Mentally, it's not it's not draining because we're sharing a lot of insights that we we want we want to share because we're passionate about them, passionate about our, our journey and helping other people go go right in the areas that we went wrong, for instance. And yeah, we we love it. And I think another thing is we're we're just passionate about. Probably didn't know much about online coaching before we started but like now i like people obviously knock it and say that oh you need to be with a group and all that but i'm we're super passionate about it because it just gives like we have a lot of people who are remote and mm. i've noticed that with wouldn't have ac- yeah wouldn't have access to quality coaching because they're from very towns of small populations with you know close to no running community and and online coaching Gives them, gives the them, right? Yeah, yeah. It gives them access and creates some sort of community, and and yeah, we love that. And people who are time poor can't can't meet at the tan at, at five pm with the with the running group, uh, and need to always constantly switch days. You know, that's that's what we're here for, and that's what we're passionate about. Like, no matter where these people are, what they got going on in their life, if they want to crack a three hour marathon, a four hour marathon, it's like their their goals don't need to change, and they can have access to to people who've who've experienced so many things in the sport, um, even if it's you know, via the phone, text, or you know, over the internet. It's um, yeah. without online coaching, I don't think they'd be um, able to experience that. It's definitely one of those things when I you know got it because I do coaching myself, um, and you know, you, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the same for you where you have some uh, athletes maybe insecure at their own. PBs and their own uh, performances because they sort of compare it to like how fast you are as a coach, right? But it's like they don't realize, you know, I am like so motivated by my own athletes. Like I pretty much work on the way I sort of see is based on how much you PB. So if you run six hours for a marathon and the next time you run run four four and a half hours, that's 90 minutes you've taken off the time. That is insane. Right, it's quite motivating. Like I'm yeah. sure the same thing. Yeah. Like you've probably got guys that you you're training, and they're sort of almost you know nervous when they sign up to you because it's like shit. I'm talking to a three thirty, three thirty one, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. guy, right? But it's not what it's about. 
No, and it's probably made me understand, maybe even have more respect for, you know, our coach as well, or my, my coach, Nick Badeau, because, um, like, he's dealing with, you know, the cream of the crop, but, like, I get such a kick out of, you know, it could be a lady who broke two hours for a half marathon. Like, that's mm. not – she's not breaking records, but it's so satisfying Yeah, to, to, to experience that and, and help someone who didn't think it was possible, but you just give them a bit of – a bit of uh, confidence and belief, and um, just see their their times drop. It is it is so satisfying. So I do understand coaching a lot more now, and why you know people would want to do it because you certainly there is a nice like nice feeling about to live through others and 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 feel like you're a part of you know what they what they've achieved. Yeah, well said. Um, you've always been you know quite business minded and. And uh, I've just got this one little note here to finish up because it's one of my favorite stories to really uh, give the uh, listeners a parting story to really tell what the, the true Ryan Gregson is like. Can you please tell us the uh, Fredo story? I'm sure I'm sure some of the listeners have heard it, but it's just my favorite thing. And really it does, it, you know, on the surface level, it is quite funny, but it really does go to show, you know, what kind of person you are. I think it's a great representation. So take it away, Fredo man. <laughs> so I went to a I went to a public school from a, you know when I was growing up it was a, a working class family like my parents are doing fine now but we were pretty working class when I was growing up and with running you know you got uh, national cross country national all schools and then as I got better there was world youth I went to a world mountain running and there was always these these different trips and you know they get expensive. And I didn't want my parents to have to to pay for things. I wanted to be able to cover it cover it myself. So, pretty much every day that I was at school, <laughs> I'm laughing already, from sorry. from year eight to year twelve, I sold fifty like Fredo frogs <laughs> or caramella koalas. <laughs> so I get so you got to give they're a dollar. I'll be so picking caramella koalas. Twenty five. They're way better. <laughs> you give, you give. So if you every day, so that I was at school, I'd sell. I did miss a lot of school. I was traveling, but every day I was there, I'd sell fifty. I'd always sell out, and they were a dollar. So I had to give twenty five bucks back to Cabri, and I'd give, I'd keep twenty five. So I was pretty much making twenty five dollars a day, uh, and that's not a lot of <laughs> $25 is not a lot of money. But no, but at that um, age, yeah. it is, and especially putting you know so many, yeah. so many kids. You know, to be honest, here I was gonna—I was just gonna go on a rampage about other kids, but actually, I can say myself. You know, I was—I was doing triathlon through high school, and looking back, I was a sport brat, right? My parents just had yeah. to pay for my triathlon stuff until I got in VIS when they were paying. But fuck, I wasn't—I wasn't, I wasn't uh, bringing Fredos to school, no way. <laughs> so it does definitely go. It's, yeah, it shows like yeah, it's—it's it's a great. Obviously, you know, my parents paid for lots of other things, but it was just a, an extra. You know, maybe five. I don't know. You have to do the sums. Twenty-five times. Don't worry. Don't worry. Whatever. Someone will do it, and someone will send in. I guarantee you, there'll be someone who'll send in some sort of meme with a picture of you and like all these threats. <laughs> People send us the funniest Photoshop shit. Um, but it was a great initiative by Cabri because I don't know if they they still do it, but 
yeah, that's what happened back in back in those days. You'd, you'd make a team, and I don't know how you got used to get. I don't know so how it times. started. Well, my mum used to just get. My mum used to just. Well, there'd just be boxes. Yeah, and then we'd we'd branch out into like. <laughs> This is the entrepreneurial summer, stuff. There was like summer <laughs> summer rolls or oh. nu- nu- nougat rolls or whatever. Summer and nougat, was, yeah. Yeah, nougat. There was like the um, like Freddos with like lemonade and strawberry <laughs> inside them, peppermint. Like I had everything. I had everything. And so, and what it actually do is um, I'd have guys who liked walking around like the playground at school, and I just give them the box. I just, I just, I'd give them the box, and they'd walk around and do it. By and by the end, I just left the box, left the chocolates there. Like maybe the first couple of weeks, I'd have to actually walk around and and actually see if anyone wants a chocolate. But in the end, I just used to set the set the box in front of my seat at school, and everyone would just come and just like throw a dollar in and take a Freddo. Like and, and so the why it was allowed. Essentially, <laughs> so I'm taking good. money from. Essentially, I'm taking money from the school because it's it's money that they kids would have otherwise spent at the canteen. Yeah, but. The principal, great man, I think his name was a doctor actually, Dr. Bailey. I don't know what he had a doctor in, but uh, he, he loved me and he just thought it's a positive thing. It means I can travel around and it means the school doesn't have to do any other fundraisers or anything like that. So uh, he just saw it as a win-win. But there were certainly other like teachers who had their noses out of the joint. And- yeah. Well, it's probably because they thought you were drug dealing out of your locker, you know, all the kids, <laughs> all the kids is like walking by and stuff. You've got like a, yeah. a hood on and you're going, yeah, I've got lemonade. I've got, <laughs> and you've got the, the, you know, your runners running through the school, dropping yeah. off. It's so funny. It's one of the best. But stories. like, but like, um, once I got to, so once I got to say year 10 or year 11, everyone in the school knew me. But when, when I first started doing it in year eight, like I'm obviously this young little guy. Yeah, you're big year 12 coming to you. <laughs> they just call me Freddo Boy. Like no one knew my name. It was just Freddo Boy, Freddo Boy. Um, and then obviously as I started running better, people used to know who I was and what I was doing it for. But I remember, you know, starting, I remember I started a new school in like year eight and everyone would just say, oi, Freddo Boy, <laughs> give us a chocolate. And then the old, older kids initially, it was like hard because they tried to be like, oh, I'll do an IOU. Yeah. I'll, um, and like, obviously, I figured out pretty quickly that that never worked. <laughs> um, so, uh, you're not going back to, you're not going back to like a year eight, going up to the year 12 locker section, going, hang on, boys. I've got, you know, Jason, you owe four strawberry field. Yeah. <laughs> Brayden, you're on six lemonade <laughs> field. Hand it over. You just get your head kicked in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But it was great. And, uh, I'm so, so thankful that I was, so thankful that I was allowed to do it and it helped me out a lot. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for that. This has been a great chat. Um, as I said, I mentioned earlier on, this is you know a new format of Q&A as opposed to just like throwing a bunch of rapid fire questions from our listeners out. Um, I wanted to use you as the first person and I think this has been super successful and the listeners are going to love it. Thanks. And this might be the first uh, episode I... Listen to when I listen to it back. Oh, you like listening so. to your own voice, do you? That would no, that I'm wouldn't just, surprise no, me. I can't. Honestly, <laughs> no, don't lie. You know I you know you know I would hate that. I know you'd hate that. You're, hate that. You're one of the it's really hard to explain because you're one of like the it's like simultaneously you're like incredibly arrogant, but then also not at all. Right? I've always said that about you. Like you're not in the you you're very you're very confident and sure of yourself, but then none of that sort of like self-obsession sort of things come out. 
in you at all. You're the opposite in that way. It's interesting. That's why I like you, Ryan. What are you like? How would you sum you up? Hey, this is. <laughs> hey, I'm hosting this. I'm asking the questions, <laughs> Buster. <laughs> all right, uh, mate. Thanks for having me uh, anytime. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon. I've, I miss you, mate. Tell tell Jen she's on the next one. I miss you too. Great. Thanks, mate.